Well, here we are again at uh, Three Gens Theology. It's good to have you with us. Uh, my name is Dan Hayden. I pastor a local church in Indianapolis, and we have the privilege of doing this little podcast together as uh, three generations in a family. My my father-in-law, Jim Ruff, Dr. Jim Ruff, and my son, Cy Hayden. We love uh, bringing info from the scriptures to you, and uh, we've been talking about theology proper, about the study of actually who God is, and it is beyond us, that's for sure. So we want to represent what the scriptures say and allow that to be what's true, whether we get it, whether we fully grasp it, or whether we don't, which we can't. Uh, but it is good to have you with us today, and uh, let's start with a, a word of prayer together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. May you be elevated in our understanding so that we can give you glory and worship and honor in a way that is better, uh, more, uh, more correct um, of who you are. Lord, help us in, in our communication today that we might be able to clearly uh, give um, this, this better understanding as well. Lord, you help us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's interesting as we think about the difficulty that Dan just mentioned of understanding everything, uh, concerning God. We, we need to start with the premise that we can't. And, uh, I thought it would be interesting to have a, uh, a rather well-known scientist, uh, chime in on that subject. Isaac Newton is the, uh, the man that I'm going to be quoting from. And in his uh, System of the World, Book 3, Isaac Newton wrote this, As a blind man has no idea of colors, so have we no idea of the manner by which the all-wise God perceives and understands all things. He is utterly void of all body and bodily figure and can therefore neither be seen nor heard, nor touched, nor ought he to be worshipped under the representation of any corporeal thing. We have ideas of his attributes, but what the real substance of anything is, we do not know. In bodies we see only their figures and colors, we hear only the sounds, we touch only their outward surfaces, we smell only the smells and taste the savors, but their inward substances are not known to be not to be known either by our senses or by any reflex act of our minds, much less than have we any idea of the substance of God. Thank you, Isaac. I appreciate those words. <laughs> Last week we learned some new words, didn't we? Uh, to describe the relationship between things. We found out that the nature of a thing is the combination of its essence, its basic substance, uh, and its attributes, the things that are true of it, the things it can do. Um, we learned that the scriptures show us that there are certain characteristics of God's nature. Uh, God does not change, so he's immutable. God's completely free of all external compulsions, so he's sovereign. God has uh, sovereign control over, over all things he's planned and made, so we can talk of his sovereignty. As to space, God is infinite. He is contained by nothing and everything else, but God is finite. And it's not just in regard to space that he's infinite. He's infinite in all of his perfections, in, uh, in everything concerning him. He is infinite where we are finite. As to time, God is eternal. 
He had no beginning and will have no end. We're bound by time, but God is not. And he sees everything as now. This week we'll be talking about God's essence, the the stuff of which he is made. <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult for us to be able to describe this issue because we're so familiar with material things. And yet God does have a substance. There, there is a form to God, if you will, but it's not made of the material matter that we're familiar with. Um, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. We'll be looking at the characteristics of God's essence, his spirit, uh, and then the attributes or perfections of God. Yeah, to say even the stuff that he's made of is, there's just not right words to use in all of those things. Um, but uh, that's what is challenging in, uh, in, this, mm-hmm. in the description, right? In the description. Right. So in that essence, um, you start in the beginning, in, in the beginning God. So the idea of him being, uh, being there, being um, self-existent prior to us being existent mm-hmm. um, is where that, uh, that essence starts, right? Um, and that is a challenging thought Everything that we understand has come about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Everything that we that we have around us, everything that is around us, has come about. But God is timeless, right. and then self-existent. He he is um, he is there. He That's doesn't right. need anybody else. He, nobody else created him. Um, I'm blanking on which uh, which verse it is that uh, um, he swore by himself. There was no one higher than him. He swore by himself. I'll find that reference after a while. Yes. Um, and uh, his self, the self existence um, of God is hard to put together. We can know it much like we've been talking about with several of these areas. We can we can know it's true. We can understand it's basically but it is hard hard to put it together the self-existent one it really is and yet the self-existence of god uh his unity his immensity these are all truths that in a sense make sense when we realize that god had no beginning has no end he's always existed and being self-existent he then can become the source of all other existence. But it has to emanate from him. It has to come from him because he's the only being that has existed from all eternity and will always exist. And then then everything comes from that, from him, from the life we have in an earthly sense, the life he offers in an everlasting sense is all able to be given from him because he is that source. Right. right? Yeah. Right. The The term that we use for that is the word aseity, aseity, which comes from the Latin that has the idea of from himself. Mm-hmm. 
God's uh, the self-existent one. He's the source of all life. Uh, in um, Exodus 3.14, the Lord said, I am the I am, which speaks of not only his being the, uh, the God whom Moses needed to bring back to the Israelites, but simply to identify himself as the one who always is. And it's, it's important that we, uh, we keep that in mind, isn't it? Because it's, it's easy for us to say, well, God was, uh, God <laughs> will be, but, but those terms don't mean anything in regard to God because whatever God was, God is. Right. And whatever God will be, he is. He is, right. But we still can use those words accurately um, because he was, but it just didn't stop. <laughs> and, right. he, and he will be, but it's not like he isn't now. So there's, there are times you can use those tenses and it's accurate in in what he how he is responding then to something in our past or our future, but that that trait didn't change. If if he was and he will be, he is as well. That's right. Right. But when we talk about what God was or God what God will be, it is often, as you said, in reaction to what God has done. Yep. And there we go back again to his attributes or his characteristics. Yeah. But sticking with, uh, with the idea of the essence of God, uh, when we see the description that Paul gave in Acts chapter 17, for example, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath. Yeah, yeah. that uh, not made with hands part is, uh, is uh, it, it perfectly makes sense in our mind. But then to try to put together, okay, what was he made with? Well, he wasn't. It was. That's right. And uh, so it, it is. Um, it's good. Um, and then just to go along with that, John five would say, uh, just as the Father has life, Jesus saying, just as the Father has life in Himself, even so He gave to the Son also to have life in Himself. So the that being the source of of everything is um, it, it. It again, it's something that we can understand, but not really gather, right? And then he doesn't need anything. He doesn't, um, in that self-existence, he's, he's fine on his own. Mm-hmm. He's fine. He, doesn't, it's, he didn't create man because he needs us. He, he existed before man. Quite well without us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about uh, yeah. that, by, by the way. But, uh, you know, <laughs> he, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a, that self-existence is a tip, dif- difficult one to to really grasp, um, I think. And yet it, it's interesting, Dan, as, as you think about it, the only way it makes sense for the universe itself not to be mm. eternally existent right. is for its creator yep. to have been eternally existent. Yep. And that's where it begins to make more sense to us, even right. though we can't take our minds there yep. and envision the existence of any being 
going as far back as there ever was, and then there's no beginning. Right. The insistence of the, the ancients that somehow, if there is a God, God himself must have had a beginning, right. was based upon what you're saying. It's based upon our humanity, yeah. our inability to think beyond the created things that are all around us. We're so used to having everything come into existence that it's impossible for us, other than by revelation, to recognize the existence of one who never had a beginning. I think this might be a bit of a tangent, but I just want to say this. It fits with this. The whole, the whole understanding that there is a God comes from the, the, the present happenings having no explanation mm -hmm. there, there is there is no logical explanation that i'm here <laughs> right i mean there, right. there's no if you want to go back something doesn't make logical sense so the most logical of any explanation is that god is god mm -hmm. because there is order in our universe we are we are here, uh, even if you want to take it to the philosophical and say that we're the figment of someone's imagination or a dream in somebody's dream. Or, you still got somebody that's real, that's fleshly, that's genuine, in our understanding of genuine, and it got there somehow, right? So for the universe to be universe, universe to be uh, infinite or e eternal. That makes so much less logical sense. Mm -hmm. So the idea of having faith that there is a God, it really isn't that. It's not blind faith, as we've talked about. It's not blind faith because that's the order that we have in our universe has to have a source that it was a creator. That's right. And so that's, I just come back to that all the time that I'm here and I got here somehow. And the thing that makes sense of that is that God. And, and in order for you to be able to make the comment that I am here, immediately causes the responder to say, well, you're here because your parents. Well, then how did they get there? Well, right. their parents. And right. on and on, we move back throughout the, the tens of, of thousands of generations until we get to either the apes, and then we have to ask where they came from, right. or Adam and Eve, and we have to ask where they came from. Right. And the answer is always the where did the where did the soup come from? Where That's did the right. where did that come from? What was before that? What, and what there, was before the none Big of Bang? It, what? None of it makes sense to us. Yes. What was before that? None of it makes sense to us in a in an understandable way. Right. Uh, and God is the most logical uh, uh, explanation for those things. Right. Um, so or denial. We don't right. understand. <laughs> right. We don't understand this self-existent thought but it's still even though we don't completely understand it it's still um what makes the most sense right. of any of the pr proposed options right you know so i knew that was a tangent a bit but i, I just no, find that i just find that to be um for me it's just so rock solid that i'm here and i got here somehow and uh the order that we have in our universe is too um precise to not be um, 
thought in thought invented, not haphazard invented, right? Right. Um, created. And it's not just a philosophical problem dealing with issues like the self-existence of God. It's, it's a problem that we have simply because our existence is so brief. Hmm. Um, we're constantly reminded in the scriptures that our life is like a vapor. It comes, it vanishes away. We're like the grass of the field. We grow up and then we vanish. Uh, this is the existence of humanity. Um, we'll see later on that for Adam and Eve and for the generations after them, that vapor lasted a lot longer. <laughs> but for us, it's uh, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. But to conceive of the reality of anything that doesn't wear down, that isn't made of a, of a material that will eventually corrode, uh, is is just impossible for us. Right, right. God's God's self existence is is such a big deal, I, and like it, obviously, but the everything else, literally everything else around us needs something else, right? We, we see that in our own lives. It's, it's easy to look at humanity and realize, yeah, we need a lot of things. We need food. We need nourishment. We need oxygen. We need, you know, all kinds of things. But even, you know, look at the, look at the earth, right? If the, if the sun were to, were to burn up and not explode into a supernova and just destroy everything, they just burned up and stopped. The earth doesn't continue. I mean, it continues to be something, but it's not what it was. Like everything we look at, even to the biggest level, isn't self-existent it all requires something else at all it's all cyclical at all you know this thing needs this thing and this requires this right so everything comes back to needing something else but god doesn't right which right. makes him god he's above it all he is self-existent so right. all that understanding rec- i think that recognition for uh, for me is as a uh, as a non you know uh, brainy person uh just seeing that that difference of everything we see around us has a need, has something else that, that it requires mm-hmm. to continue to exist uh, as as it is, uh, and but, but God does not. That's right. So let me share a couple uh, psalm passages that are so good in this idea. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, psalm 102, 25 to 27. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Did you just read this? Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously those are speaking mostly about the eternality, but but uh, they are how he is completely separate from what he's created, uh, right? He's completely That's right. separate from that and existent, existent all on his own, uh, which we need in order to have been created. <laughs> that's right. Right? That's right. Yeah. Which, and that's a transcendence we talked about last week. Last week, right. Yeah. yeah right. That's right. Yep. Now, because God is spirit and because God is not a, a complex of matter like we are with, with body and and uh, soul or body and spirit, we we speak of God in in a couple of terms that are very important. 
one of them is we could say God is immaterial, which which is true. He is not material like we are. Mm. But because he's spirit and because he is a, a being that requires no other external being to exist or other form, we can say that he is a, a unit, if you will, and he is simple. He's simple in regard to his substance. Um, that simplicity is reflected in the fact that we refer to God as spirit. He is spirit and so not a complex of various other forms. Uh, nothing needs to be added to the divine essence. Uh, nothing can be taken away from him. Uh, and he cannot be divided. You don't find God dividing himself into pieces and putting it in different places. Even the, the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not a dividing up of the Holy Spirit into different places. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit emphasized in the life of the believer. So there is no dividing of him. Jesus uh, said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. He, he is a unity and he is a simplicity. And the unity does not detract from the Trinity, which is what we're going to be looking at later on. Because this helps us to imagine, if you will, to envisage in our minds what God is like in a little better way when we realize that all three members of the Godhead live, exist within the one essence of God, which is spirit. So uh, simplicity. When we think of things being simple, we typically think of them being uh, less awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right? We think of complex being better or mm -hmm. uh, more advanced. Um, but the, in the perfection of who God is, the simple is actually pure and the ultimate. Yes. Right? The ultimate. Yes. So there, there's no need for complex. Complex would just make it downgraded which is what we are right the complex <laughs> right. of of uh, flesh and and inner person right um, and so that simplicity is a a english word that we use for a variety of a variety of things but the simplicity of god is not saying he's simple minded or or no. simple in uh easy to describe i mean he's not that for sure but the idea of a of a, a singleness of of essence right. to him right and that's that again goes back to the way we use language mm -hmm. right uh because we're used to using the word simple in regard to a being as though it meant that it was something lesser mm -hmm. uh in rea in reality the the most fundamental concept of the word simple is one. Right. It's 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 a uh, a unity. It is right. something that is not compounded with other things, mm -hmm. and that certainly is the spirit of God. Romans one twenty two, uh, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I mean, there's just no comparison 
there shouldn't be any comparison uh, between when we look at his creation mm-hmm. and the and the downgraded simplicity, right? The 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 lower uh, creation in comparison to uh, the higher uh, Almighty God, immortal God, where um, we we often get that. Um, messed up where our attention is right you know but there is a clear difference between anything created and and who god is in his in his essence in his pureness think of uh, of psalm 8 where the psalmist says uh, o lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth who displayed your splendor above the heavens and then he goes in verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you should take mm-hmm. thought of him, yep. and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and are they the Elohim, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. Uh, it is amazing to think that the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever thing there is that had at the time that Adam, for example, was created and he had full control over. We have a lot less control over those things now than he did. Um, that even at that point, if we look at the highest pinnacle of human existence, we were always lower, always less, yep. always uh profoundly complex in our uh, response to not only the world around us, but to God himself. And yet the simplicity of God also falls into this area as well, where there isn't any, uh, any battle going on within God, mm-hmm. such as the battles that go on within us. The way that they built the Tower of Babel early in the scriptures we're philosophically doing that today that we are trying to elevate ourselves um not that at any time period people haven't done that but we certainly are putting ourselves up as higher better mm-hmm. greater right um but we are uh we are fleshly we are earthly right and the lord is uh, not changed, and he is um, pure in what he is, and uh, there's no there's no uh, wrong put on him. There's no um, createdness put on him because he is just he right. is the I am. The unity. When you talk about unity, um, it is both in the idea of Trinity, which we'll get to, right? But in the idea of his his. Um, these characteristics that we will talk about him, they're not, um, they all work together, mm-hmm. right? There's not a, uh, well, he's love here, but he's judge here, no. right? He is, he is love and he is judge at the same all time. the time. That's right. right. And so that unity also speaks of bringing together all of these truths of who he is, all true all the time. That's right. Right. That's and so right. that unity in, in him is, is part of that. Um, the, the, what he is, he is all the time and it's not changed and it won't change. And it, and it, it, uh, is harmonious. 
right? That's right. That unity has a harmoniousness to it. Um, that his love and his judgment aren't in, aren't in conflict within him. No. Right. No. Not right. at all. Not at all. And the, oh, those are just examples, but I mean that would be. And that even plays in as we uh, practically as we talk about. I think I think it's easy sometimes to look at the as we look at scripture. We see the Old Testament. We see that we see God in the in the Old Testament, and He's you know commanding them to go to war, and He's you know having times where he's like, all right, I'm going to kill all the Israelites. And, uh, and so we see all the times of, uh, of, of him being judge. And then we see the new Testament and we kind of talk about, you know, the grace that's shown there. And I think it's easy then to like break those up and think about God as, you know, almost like two halves of like, okay, like he was this before right. Jesus came and now he's, now he's different. Yep. Um, but even as we talk about the unity that he wasn't any less grace filled in the Old Testament, and he isn't any less of a judge in now, mm-hmm. uh, but the way he interacts with humanity is at times looked different. Um, as he was the king, the king of Israel uh, was you know as different as he's as he's running that nation, which is a weird way to say that, but uh, is is but he was the same. He's the same throughout all, all of eternity. He is unity. He is all those things throughout all eternity. That goes back to the unchangeableness that we right. spoke of as, as part of the nature of God, that he doesn't change, and, and he doesn't go from being the ogre of the Old Testament to the sweet, loving God of the New Testament. He's always the, always been the same. Yeah. Good, Sai. The immensity of the Spirit of God. This is an interesting concept because it, it goes it, it falls side by side with attributes of God and characteristics of God's nature. When we think about the, the existence of God, we have to think of him as not being some kind of an amorphous blob here or there. We have to recognize the fact that God does have form, that uh, he is able to say that the earth is his footstool and his throne is in the heavens. and his, All of these things are true because he is immense. He is greater than the universe he has made. There is no limit to God in regard to space. And we've got to recognize that as being true simply because of the fact that um, he is able to present himself to his whole creation at one time and he can't be contained in any part of his creation so not only can't you build a house that is big enough to contain god you can't build a universe that is big enough to contain god and if we recognize the immensity of the spirit of god it it immediately begins to blow our minds because we're starting to realize the fact that we're not talking about a God who is here or there or up there or down there. He is everywhere. Those are all, ac- those are all accurate. Yeah. Right? Those are all accurate, but he is all those places. He is all of those places yeah. at once and beyond them, yep. <laughs> which is so wonderful yep. when we think about that. Yep. Like you uh, said a couple weeks ago with the Tower of Babel, how the Lord uh, came down came down to those to who thought they were building this great this great tower and we even look back and think well whatever tower they were building was pathetic by our standards i'm that's, sure that's you know true. but at the same time um how, how are you going to build a tower tall i mean the universe is not 
uh, does, cannot contain him. How, That's right. You know, what tower are we going to build? But along those same line, Isaiah 40, uh, 25, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, mm-hmm. meaning the stars. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So not only is he big enough to to uh, uh, be larger than the universe as we understand, you know, as we understand it, but he's intricate enough to know about each of those stars, uh, and all of them are right in place where they should be. Uh, it's it's that um, that immensity um, is uh, not not just in his size, as we think about immensity. But in all of those traits, that they are beyond measure. That's what that immense would be, without measure. Without without measure is who he is. Yeah, yeah. We've we've talked about the fact that that the characteristics of God uh, work together, and and the reality of God's being uh, beyond our ability to describe mm-hmm. uh, certainly fits into our understanding of the the immensity of God. He's, mm-hmm. He can be present to all things and yet greater than all things. Right. He can control all things and yet not be part of all things. Right. Uh, all of these things, I, I think of what Job said after mm-hmm. the Lord had taken him on that tour you described, Sai, the other day. Um, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak and I will ask you and you instruct me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Sometimes when we are overwhelmed with the reality of who God is, we can understand why Job would repent and retract yeah. and fall down. Well, and, co- and cover him. his mouth and keep from saying anything because that's right. Uh, he had been saying things incorrectly, um, and so um, yeah. We're going to be talking about the invisibility of God later uh, when we talk about Christology, but this obviously fits into the question of the of God being spirit. Because we don't see him. We can't see him. Our bodies will eventually be provided to us again, transformed, when we go to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, We were likely to go in just our spirits before him. But eventually he will bring our bodies back, transformed so that we can spend eternity with him, enjoying being able to see the things that we cannot see now. Mm -hmm. But his invisibility is, is a reality to us. And one of the struggles that often Christians have, right? That just, just the fact that I can't see God. Mm-hmm. Wherefore, though you have not seen him, that is one of the biggest struggles yep. that humans often have in regard to God. And yet, not having seen him, we still love him because he loved us first. Yep. So that's where it's so beautiful, the Christ being the one who took on the form of a man. Yes. Um, because 
he existed prior to that, um, not not in that form, mm-hmm. right? right. Yeah, not in that form. So it's good. Okay. Um, so much like last time, talk, or a couple times ago, talking about uh, the uh, at the uh, transcendence and and imminence of God. I believe we've covered everything about God's essence pretty pretty fully now too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you talk about these things, our our explanations can be uh, scripturally founded and and solid and understandable, but then the 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 immensity of it all is more than we can gather, right? I believe the uh, I believe the great theologian Buzz Lightyear said it best <laughs> when he said it in, to infinity and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. We can understand. We can understand truths about Buzz God. Buzz was really polite. <laughs> we can understand um, as we talk about these different um, truths about who God is descriptions of who he is they can they're words we can understand even if we haven't seen them before they're words we can learn right but none of them gather completely who he is and so i hope that that will will draw will draw you to give him glory in a greater way to draw you to um to as you do understand more truths about god that you can also gather that there are um things way beyond that that we can't gather. Yes. And so I think it's been so good about seeing what the Scripture does relay about who God is. It, it relays it in a way knowing that there is more beyond that. In those particular traits, they're greater than we can understand, and then just he who he is is greater than we can put words to. Uh, and so it's both. We can have words that help to describe who God is, but then also... Uh, it, th- our lack of words hopefully can draw, can draw us to give him glory in a, in a, in a, and worship in a greater way. So thank you for joining with us today. Uh, again, like, and comment and review if you would, as you take in these podcasts or, or, uh, if you're watching on YouTube and then, uh, you know, con- connect with us to see, uh, if there's something we can be a help for you or something that we haven't explained. Well, that would be great. Our, our words certainly lack. Uh, my email is pd at crossbridgeindy.com. You can let me know um, how you're uh, taking this in and, and what's, uh, what's been beneficial, and then maybe some questions you have. It'd be great. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, now we can have confidence that God is self-existent. He is not a component of both matter and spirit. He is purely spirit. He is fully harmonious in his Godhead and in his attributes. And then he is beyond what we can gather. And so you uh, worship him as you go through your day.